You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Good morning or good afternoon, whatever the case may be. Uh, I am your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio, Dr. Jeff Werber here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And uh, that is Ask the Vets. So I want you to call and ask. As you can hear from my voice, it still hasn't recovered fully. So I don't want to talk to you. How boring to listen to me for 30 minutes. So I want to hear from you. We can talk about a bunch of stuff. I have an agenda. I always have an agenda. But I want to hear from you. We can talk about anything. So it's very easy. All you need to do is pick up the phone, call 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. And if you happen to be listening to us live online here at Pet Life Radio at the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab, you can join in on the conversation very easy. You just go onto that start page and you see a big box that says join the conversation, log into our live chat during the show. We can also, you can send me a quick email, which will be forwarded to me live as we speak to drjeff, that's Dr. Jeff at petliferadio.com. So for those of you that were listening for the last several, several weeks, we've been talking about the different organs and mostly the endocrine system. And first we covered a lot of symptoms, symptoms that, for example, what to do with diarrhea, what to do with vomiting, et cetera. Then we went to our different endocrine disease, endocrine to hormone diseases. We talked about thyroid, both hypothyroid in the dog and hyperthyroid in the cat. We talked about Cushing's disease and Addison's disease. That is a over-secretion of the adrenal gland or the pituitary gland signaling the adrenal gland in the case of Cushing's or an under-secretion as in the case of Addison's disease. We went on to diabetes. We talked about the different types of diabetes. We have type 1 or juvenile onset diabetes in people, and that is the type of diabetes that dogs get, but they can get it really at any age. Or type 2 diabetes, which is the diabetes that we see in cats, and that's the equivalent of our adult onset diabetes. That has a lot to do, sadly, with what and how we feed our cats. If you had any questions about all of those conditions, diseases over the last several weeks, go ahead and send me an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com. Hopefully, I can clear things up for you. And as always, when you get the courage, the guts to pick up the phone or to log in and send me a question, our sponsors, which are ProSense Pet Products, the only pet products available over the counter in mass at the mass market level that has veterinary quality, and also Kong, Kong toys, which are great, safe, and uh, oh, by the way, we'll talk about safe toys just at the very end because of a problem I'm working on. It's a story I'm working on right now with NBC News on the fact that Petco has just pulled its jerky, Chinese jerky treats and rawhide treats, anything made in China, off the shelves. And the story has it, rumor has it, that PetSmart is soon to follow. And by March, there will be no Chinese products like the jerky treats or anything edible on the shelves. So I think that's a bold move. I applaud them. I certainly would like to ask them what took them so long. But the fact that they're finally doing it, I think is great because there are a lot, a lot of safety concerns with these products. My recommendation right now, just as a footnote, is if you are thinking of buying any jerky treats or rawhide products, anything that's edible or chewable rawhide products for your pets, for your dogs, make sure they're made or in the USA or they could be made abroad but belong to a company 
That is a name brand U.S. company and you'll be safe. And so that means even products that are made, and there's some made in South America, some made in Australia, New Zealand, I'm not saying they're bad, but we just don't know enough about it. And the, the regulations are the strictest here in the States. So, I mean, it can work both ways, as we know. You know, try to get a drug passed through FDA. It's being used in Europe to major success, and we're still in the testing process. So, meanwhile, so patients in Europe are, are already doing great and recovering from whatever major disease they had, and we're still in, in the FDA process. But it also helps us the other way around to make sure that there is actual safety. And uh, that's what I find with the FDA, with the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, with the USDA, United States Department of Agriculture. These are all organizations that really seem to watch out for us and our pets. So I think right now to stay with U.S. products is the best way to go. So once again, get a hold of me, call in, let's talk about anything you want. I do have, as I said, my agenda. And what I wanted to now talk about As we're going through the different organ systems, we talked about the GI, the gastrointestinal tract. The next thing I want to talk about, which I see a lot of issues with, and that is eyes. And we do see a lot of eye conditions in our pets. As many of you might know, there are actually, in keeping with it, very many organ and body parts and disciplines within veterinary medicine. There are also board-certified veterinary ophthalmologists. So these are veterinarians that have gone through their four years of veterinary school, and then they do an internship often, and then they do a residency, it's roughly three years, in just ophthalmology, and they become specialists in eyes. And you can imagine that if we didn't have a lot of eye issues to deal with and a lot of eye problems, we wouldn't need specialists in eyes. But because there are many problems that we have to contend with, it is a very, very interesting specialty. I happen to like eyes. Um, I think it's good because it incorporates a lot of medicine. It incorporates really, really cool surgery. And if you like very fine, detailed surgery, eyes, it's a great subspecialty. I often joke that had I had the time or the inclination way back when I graduated to do a residency, ophthalmology was one of my top choices. I think eyes are great. So anyway, when we have you know, certain conditions, and, and, and a lot of diseases we're going to cover are very similar to both people and to pets. We have our fair share of congenital diseases. These are diseases that animals are born with. They may have a genetic predisposition, or they may not. Sometimes it could be just a defect, all right? Congenital just means present at birth or during development. And there may not always be a high potential for genetic transmission, Sometimes we have diseases that you look at the parents, if you know it's a recessive trait, and then both parents would have to have it and pass it to their offspring. If it's a dominant trait, then it could be just one parent having it and passing it. So these are some of the conditions that we know we would have to contend with when we see eye diseases early on in uh, puppies or kittens. I mean, I'll give you one perfect example. Collie dogs often can have a condition called microphthalmia. And that means that their eyes and their their eye sockets are very small. So the palpebral fissures, which are the eye opening where the eyelids are, are also very small. And the actual globe, the eyeball, is much smaller than normal. You know, you, so you see that in a little puppy. Obviously, that's a congenital defect, something that they were affected them in development. They're born with a problem, and not necessarily a high. You know, some of these, as I said, don't have high hereditary predispositions, but this condition would be why? Because we see it in a certain breed. So when you start seeing conditions that are common 
to a specific breed, then you have to start thinking, well, there's got to be some sort of hereditary component. And uh, so you can have diseases that are hereditary and congenital or just congenital or just hereditary. You can have a hereditary disease that's not going to present until the dog is uh, six, seven years old. So there are a lot of conditions also, as we talked about when we were discussing diabetes, if you were paying attention, if you were awake, then what happens with many cases of diabetes, we see a high tendency, a high propensity of cataracts. So diabetic dogs often are going to present with cataracts. So that is an, an eye condition that uh, we call it an ocular manifestation of a disease. So it's not necessarily an eye disease, but the eyes are often linked and affected to other common conditions. So here's another one that if any of you have had the following breeds, and again, when you talk about breed predisposition, that means that there's probably some sort of congenital link. Cocker Spaniels, number one, by the way. Bulldogs, English Bulldogs especially, Lhasas and Shih Tzus. I don't know if I should give you the answer or just to test if you are paying attention to give us a call here at 877-385-8882 and see if you know what condition we usually see in young dogs of this type. It is a surgical fix and we see it, there's the hint, mostly it can happen in any dog, but we're going to see it in Cockers, Bulldogs, Losses and Shichus, and even sometimes Rottweilers, maybe even Sharpays, but it's very, very common in those breeds, and I said it's very fixable. So I'm going to put that on a hold for just a, a minute and see who's got the courage to either send me a quick note here to Dr. Jeff at Pet Life Radio, join in on the conversation, or just give us a call, and um, it's a condition that I will tell you another thing is another hint. It shows up out of the blue. I mean, it can literally, you can go out to dinner, come home, couple hours later, and your dog's got it. And it's something that most people panic when they see. And the truth of the matter is, it is not an emergency. So God, I can't even give you more hints than that. So um, I want to hear from you to see if you're paying attention. And remember, not only will we talk about it, but we will also, the, the caller or whoever joins in is going to get a free ProSense product and a Kong toy. So next up, we have a condition that is probably one of the more painful conditions of eyes. It typically happens in older dogs, and it is called glaucoma. And glaucoma is an increased pressure within the eye itself. Now, certainly you can imagine that a complicating factor of glaucoma could often be a lens luxation, but it's very painful. And these dogs will typically present. They'll come in, and what you're going to notice is, first of all, a lot of squinting. We call that blepharospasm you're going to see very red eyes. It's going to be, well, I should, it just usually happens more in one eye first than, than both at the same time, though it can be bilateral, of course. But often, we're going to see glaucoma in only one eye, and at least to start. And you're going to see a very red eye, a lot of squinting. And because the pain is so dramatic that these dogs are going to be really, as we say, ADR, ain't doing right. They are going to be hiding. They're not going to want to play. They may not want to eat. And you're going to look at them and you're going to see this big bulging red eye. If you have one of these dogs like my French bulldogs that are that we call brachycephalic breeds with the very prominent eyes, they call them bug eyes, you're going to just see a huge eye and a lot of pain. So when we see what we call conjunctivitis, we see injected sclera. That's where the white part of the eye is very red and raw. That can be due to a lot of things. That can be due to just a conjunctivitis. 
it could be due to an allergy. And dogs can have an allergy to something. They could be bitten by something around the face. They rub at their eyes. The eyes get very red. They get very inflamed. And that's also extremely possible. But I will tell, this is what I often tell people, that when it comes to an eye problem in your pet, you do not want to mess around. When it comes to an eye problem, these are something that, and we've talked about this. I've talked about limping, for example. A dog comes up lame, suddenly, but they're still walking. They're still weight-bearing. They're favoring a little bit. Is that reason to rush to the veterinarian? No, it's not. But with eyes, if you start seeing an ocular anomaly, an ocular abnormality, you want to take your pet into the veterinarian ASAP because these conditions can make a difference really between sight and losing sight, between keeping the eye or having the eye removed. So the faster that we jump on this, you're the veterinarian, the faster that if needed a referral made to the veterinary ophthalmologist, in the long haul, the safer it would be for your pet. So time for that quick midway break here on our show. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. Don't go away. We'll be right back after the short break. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm home. My hair looks cute. Now what? Bringing home a puppy or new dog is exciting, and he's depending on you to keep him in good health. Dogs need special care to keep them healthy as they grow throughout their entire life. Caring for their health is critical in all stages. With ProSense, it's simple and convenient to give your dog the care it needs with effective and quality products that treat, prevent, and provide essential daily vitamins and minerals. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. There's nothing more delicious and healthy than an old family recipe. And for over 50 years, our family's been creating them especially for your pets. Nutrisource Super Premium Pet Foods. Dog and cat food that's all natural, holistic, and organic. Nutrisource Pet Foods contain our patented Good for Life system for your pet's optimum health and well-being. So order now. Safe quality food made by our family for your furry family members. Go to NutrisourcePetFoods.com. From our family to yours, family brands. Calling all pet product manufacturers and pet experts. Let the public relations and marketing professionals at Whitegate PR get you featured in the news. I'm Dana Humphrey at Whitegate PR, and we have been specializing in pet product PR for over 10 years and can get your brand featured in the media from TV to radio to print to blogs. You can find out more at www.whitegatepr.com. Victoria Schaefer, aspiring actress, babysitter extraordinaire, college student, and animal enthusiast, is on her own for the first time in New York City. Follow Victoria and her two dogs, Rue and Echo, as she cares for her furry friends and juggles home life and career, all the while managing to survive in the world's most hectic city. The exciting animal adventures and secret stories from both ends of the leash that make up the tales of the city. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet 
Hello, hello, and welcome back. Um, I am we're just, oh, by the way, I left uh, in the first 15 minutes, first half of the show, uh, I asked you, uh, our listeners a question about a common eye condition that looks worse than it is. It's usually surgical, happens typically, number one breed to see this in is Cocker Spaniel. However, we also see it in English Bulldogs, we see it in Lhasa's and Shih Tzu's, we can see it in Rottweilers and Sharpays, but we can, of course, see it in any breed, but the increased prevalence in those. And still waiting here for an answer. I know someone's got to know. Someone, I can't imagine anyone here listening on Pet Life Radio that has not had a dog at some point in their life that had this condition. So don't be bashful. Don't be shy. Just uh, log on in or give us a call, 877-385-8882, or just join us here on PetLifeRadio.com. Ask the vets with Dr. Jeff and type in your answer, and we could talk about it. So before the break, we were talking about Another common, one of the more painful eye diseases that we see, it's called glaucoma. Glaucoma is an increased pressure actually within the eyeball itself. It's almost like the eyeball wants to burst. And if any of you have ever had any kind of pain in the eye itself or just something in the eye, you, you know how uncomfortable it is. So you can imagine when the eye is just ready to burst. So you could see a bulging large eye. You can see a sclera, which is the white part of the eye is all ejected. It's all red. The dog is squinting. Uh, I mean, it's painful. And what we do is we do a test called tonometry. Tonometry is a pressure test. A number of different ways to do it. There are two devices that are commonly used. We, years and years ago, I, I laugh. I still kept one just because it's an antique. And boy, was it a pain to use. It was called a Shiatz tonometer and basically you're putting the head, dog's head up in the air and you're putting this device on it with little weights and it measures how depressed these weights have to be a little like a, a pendulum slides back and forth i mean oh my god this poor dog having to sit through that is crazy now many of us use a tono pen probably one of the, the more common devices I mean, it doesn't hurt at all. It's simple to use. It's got an LED display. It reads out the pressure. It's a godsend. And then a lot of the ophthalmologists use actually a cooler device, way more expensive. And what it does, it takes a little shoot, like a little piece of air that shoots out of this device. And then it measures the indentation of the cornea when this puff of air is shot at the cornea. Clearly, the more indentation, the softer the eye. The less indentation, the firmer the eye. And that's probably the gold standard now. However, for most general practitioners, it might be a little on the uh, expensive side. But the tonal pen works amazingly well, and it's great and very accurate. Usually, I'm, I've, I've not ever yet made a diagnosis with my tonal pen and then sent the dog to the ophthalmologist, and the ophthalmologist says, oh, no, these pressures are fine. So it's very accurate. Now, you want to have the eye pressure somewhere, you know, at least 8 to 10. You get too soft. Uh, you worry about another disease we could talk about later called uveitis. But you approach 15 to 18, you're getting to the part where you don't want to go above 20 for sure. We call 20 to 25 millimeters of mercury the gray zone. You start getting above 25, and you're in the glaucoma. And I've had dogs testing at 50, at 70. I can't even imagine how painful that would be. And there are many, many different treatments. Some medical therapies work. Some topical eye medications seem to help. Often surgery is required to try to open up that drainage angle between the back portion of the eye and the front portion of the eye and get things moving. Sometimes actually a drain is put in 
to keep the eye pressures down, which has to be done surgically, typically by an ophthalmologist. And then ultimately, ultimately, if none of this works, then we have to remove the eye. And um, we feel worse about eye removal because of our own feelings. The truth of the matter is I have seen and treated hundreds of one-eyed dogs, and they are just as happy as the two-eyed dogs. They lose, obviously, some visual field, but they compensate, and they do amazingly well. And I mean, and as a matter of fact, I have seen many blind dogs that still are pretty happy. And you know, when it comes to vision, we're talking about eyes, let's talk about vision for a second. Of all the senses, the main senses, taste and smell and hearing, I'd say for most dogs, vision is their worst. The way the eye, the retina is set up, First of all, there are different neurons that are receptors in the eye, and they're called rods and cones. And rods basically are for, they take in the light. So they're responsible for us, for example, our nighttime vision really isn't as good, it's not as sharp, yet dogs actually see better than we do at night. And that's because they have a higher proportion of rods to cones. Cones, on the other hand, help with detail and color. So but that's why we see better color than dogs. Dogs are not colorblind as often people think. They don't see color as acutely as we do because they have much fewer cones than rods. Now, what's interesting is, and this is how I, I always I mention this, because of acuity, because of the ability to differentiate, differentiate sharp demarcations of color, because dogs don't have as many cones, they don't see it as well. So here's an example. If you show a dog and you can measure and hook them up to some sort of electronic, electrophysiologic devices, and they're, you're measuring brain activity, and you see pinstripes. So let's say, for example, a classic, beautiful, navy blue pinstripe suit with very faint, like light gray or off-white lines, okay? If a dog were to be looking at that, because of their much fewer cones, they may not see the pinstripes. They'll just see a solid color. But here's the cool thing. If one of those stripes should happen to move, oh my God, that dog is right on it. So because of their ability to really see so much more light, they can detect movement much more easily, which means that they were perfectly made for hunting. So they don't see, for example, you know, we, our perfect vision is like 20-20. Dogs are more like 20-80, which means that what we can see clearly at 80 feet, a dog needs to see at 20 feet in order to see it as clearly. So they don't have that sharpness, that fineness. But man, can they detect light? They can see way better than we do at night. Obviously, that's great for hunting. They can detect movement much better than we. Likewise, you know, that's ideal for hunting. So it just seems to be what they're made. Another thing that we have that, well, I should say we don't have that dogs and cats do, and you'll get this right away. It's called a tapetum. A tapetum is a very re reflective portion of the retina which is the membrane in the back of the eye that has all of the sensory connections. So when we have, for example, we'll talk about a retinal separation in the future, we lose that type of visual acuity and sometimes vision altogether. So what we see with the tapetum, if you've ever like been driving at night and you are approaching that animal looking right at you and the headlights hit him and you see that almost looks freaky, that reflection, that's the tapetum. When we take pictures and the camera hits our eye in a certain way, what do we see from us, from people? You see the red spots. That's just because the blood vessels in the back of the eye. But with animals, you see a reflective tapetum, especially in cats. And uh, that makes a huge difference. So I'm going to leave you hanging.
I want you to contact me this week to Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. I want the answer to my question about that d- disease condition we see usually in young dogs, Cocker Spaniels, Shih Tzu's Lotses, English Bulldogs, um, Rottweilers, Sharpays. It's surgical, very fixable, not a panic situation. I cannot give you too many hints. I can't give you any more than that. And um, let's see who gives me the right answer. Other than that, we will be here next week. I'll be live from the North American Veterinary Conference in Orlando. Uh, my colleague, Dr. Danny McBeatie, will be joining me live once again. Uh, we'll talk about a bunch of stuff. Uh, if you have any questions or anything you want to talk about, just send them to me, Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff here at Pet Life Radio. Once again, thanks to ProSense. Thanks to Kong. And we will be coming to you live next week from North American Veterinary Conference. See you then. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.